Hi, Caroline Stephen, financial journalist. There's an old Wall Street saying, scared money never wins. And full-time trading is an easy thing to say, but it's a difficult transition to make. And whilst full-time traders are internally directed, there are a couple of things they need to watch out for before they take the leap. And in today's episode, Chris Tate walks us through what they are, and he gives us the reality of full-time trading. We also hear how Chris sets his own significant wealth thermostat, and we hear his general advice to people about money. We also have Who Am I? But first, Louise Bedford in Mind Power discusses the importance of how to handle a windfall profit in the markets. Handling an unexpected windfall profit that exceeds your initial expectations can be quite tricky. Even if you don't realize it before you start trading, the learning that comes about from making a huge profit can be just as painful and awkward and revealing as the learning that comes about from making a loss. If you haven't yet been in that position, it's only a matter of time before you are if you're sticking to a written trading plan and devoting your attention to improving your investing methods. Without a written plan, I guarantee that your win was just a chance occurrence. So make sure you're following a written trading plan. One of the things that I feel you should do if you do have a win, and it is big and it's unexpected, firstly, reward yourself. Reminiscences of a Stock Operator is an incredibly terrific book. I know you'd love it. It was first published in 1923. It's a biography of Jesse Livermore, a great trader who built his fortune and lost it several times. Jesse states, there isn't a man in Wall Street who has not lost money trying to make the market pay for an automobile or a motorboat. I think the resolve to induce the stock market to act as a fairy godmother is the busiest and most persistent. When you think about what that means, it means Pitching yourself towards a goal that is huge and makes you force trades. If you have a monetary value that you're trying to earn for the year, then if the market doesn't provide those opportunities for you, you will actually force trades to be able to reach that goal. Of course, the opposite is usually the case and you won't reach the goal because you've been forcing trades. When trading with this deprived or depraved state of mind, we hope, we gamble, we run much greater risks than if we were speculating dispassionately and mechanically. This certainly echoes my own experiences. However, if you follow your trading rules and you do experience a windfall profit and you don't reward yourself, you're setting yourself up for failure in the future. Our subconscious is responsible for so many aspects of our success. And if you don't reward your own good behavior, you could very well sabotage your own future trading. I remember as a child, this was really the case where if I did a good job, then dad would take me out for an Eskimo pie, a little ice cream that they don't usually sell anymore. So it reinforced that I should keep on being good because I got a treat. We do this as adults. It's not just as children that we're susceptible to this type of bribery. 
take a small percentage of your winnings, buy something for yourself or your family, and whenever you look at that asset or remember that holiday if it's a big enough windfall, you'll create a feedback loop where your subconscious will seek further rewards. This could be one of the reasons why winners in the markets go on to create an even bigger win in the future and losers continue to lose money. The other aspect is to beware of overconfidence. You know, some people do feel the need to gloat after a big win. They're obnoxious, they puff out their chest and they're definitely victims of the evil ego bug. Resist that urge to brag. It won't assist your trading and your investing in the long run. It will actually do damage as well because you're going to drive everybody around you crazy and jealousy is a terrible thing. When I started trading, after almost every major share market win that I made, I experienced a losing streak. Now, I'm not ashamed to say that the main reason that this happened was due to an inflated ego. Eventually, I became determined not to judge my next trade on the basis of the last trade that I made. Smash your rear view mirror. When our self-worth is attached to whether we're making or losing money, it's a symptom of a very shallow inner life. The best traders stay loyal to their trading plan. They take their entry and exit signals without question, and they have a money management system that minimizes the risk of taking any particular trade on a whim. There is no room for the luxury of ego. The share market has nothing in common with a Tatslotto ticket. With trading, you can attribute a profit to a back-tested system and therefore you can duplicate your results into the future so that you can live the trader's life. Hi, I'm Barbara Stanny and I'm the author of Secrets of Six-Figure Women and I listen to Talking Trading. Who am I? Born to a poor Jewish family in the South Bronx, New York City. My father was a plumber and both my parents were immigrants from Poland. When I graduated from Columbia Business School, I had no money, a student debt, a wife and a six-month-old baby. I joined Goldman Sachs where I stayed for 25 years working my way up to become partner and CEO of Goldman Sachs Asset Management. After leaving Goldman, I found my own private hedge fund called Amiga Advisors. I'm known for saying, if I retired, I would still be doing exactly the same thing. I wake up at 5.10 every morning, and although my net worth is over $3.7 billion, I'm known for being frugal. I own four cars and all of them are used. For the boys here, I own a 2002 Lexus convertible and sedan, a 2008 Lexus sedan and a Volkswagen Passat. The Passat has Bluetooth and it makes me feel like a rich man because my other three cars don't have it. I keep my cars used because I would rather give the money to charity than buy a fancier, newer car. I am Wall Street legend. Leon Cooperman.
short-term trading. Hello and welcome, Chris Tate. Hi, Caroline. Should it be the goal of every trader to trade full-time? That's a bloody good question. My initial response would be to say no. But again, it comes back to what are your aims and aspirations? What do you want trading to do for you? Because there's sort of a dichotomy. There are people who have very fulfilling lives and careers who only see trading as an adjunct to that. It's a mechanism of take control of their own wealth. So it's not parlayed out to a bunch of fund managers who screw it up, which is what fund managers are paid to do. But there is a secondary set of people who see trading as an escape. It's a mechanism to leave the life they currently lead. And the only way that can be done is if they move to full-time trading. But whilst it's very easy to say move to full-time trading, it's actually a very, very difficult transition for people to make. It's a very, very hard thing to do. Why? A A few reasons. The first is a practical one. The practical one is that most people are undercapitalized. Unfortunately, we've had this sort of environment where for, I don't know, let's say for the past 10, 15 years, we've had a bunch of FX wankers out there saying, you can give up your day job, you can intraday trade currencies and make $100,000 a year with only $10,000 capital. That's bullshit. The world doesn't work that way. And whilst I can see what they're doing in selling a dream, they're selling a false dream that doesn't exist. So there is the issue of undercapitalization. People need to work backwards as to how much money they need to survive and then work out when the tipping point is when they can move full time. The second is is a series of practical considerations. And these, these are really boring things such as how do you structure your day? How do you structure your time within the day? How do you structure your finances? How do you pay yourself? How do you deal with cash flow? Because what happens with a lot of traders who go full-time is they end up being a little bit analogous to farmers. The, the thing you'll always hear about farmers is they're often very, very asset rich, but they're cash poor. Now, it's fine having a vast portfolio of, let's say, let's pick a market, top 20 shares that you can't sell because to do so would generate a tax impost. It would also break the cycle of wealth creation you're in and it would also break your trading rules. So the question is, how do you generate cash flow to actually survive? Because whilst long-term portfolio trading is exceptional for generating wealth, it's not that good for paying the day-to-day bills. Now, that might be different if you've got a $100 million portfolio and you've got a 3% annual dividend yield that's fully frank. $3 million fully frank would see most people through. But most people are not in that situation. And so there's a host of practical little considerations that people need to work out before they make the move to full-time trading because you don't want to be trying to work out these practicalities after you've made the move. It's too late then. What characteristics in a person make them a good full-time trader? Are there any that, that are particularly peculiar? There are. It is. Yeah, our full-time traders are an odd bunch. Yeah, we probably are a little bit. It, it is that we are internally directed. One of the issues that people face when they move to full-time trading is that if you've had a job, and let, let's say it's an archetypal job of any sort, you are used to being told where to go, what time to be there, 
what time train you have to catch, when lunch is, what time train you have to get home to be home in time for dinner. Your day is structured according to the wills and whims of others. When you're a full-time trader, your day is structured according to your own timetable. So you need to impose an artificial timetable upon what you do. And I say it's artificial simply because markets are now 24 hours a day. So you have to impose an artificial structure that you just overlay and say, right, at this time of the day, we'll do this. At this time of the day, we'll do that. At this time of the day, we'll do this. The other thing that is of issue is personality type. Introverts tend to be better full-time traders than extroverts. Extroverts require human contact. Introverts don't. We're quite happy with our own company doing our own thing. And one of the things we've noticed with extroverts we've known who do full-time trading is that they've actually gone back to do some sort of part-time or volunteer work so that they get that human touch that is so important to them that makes their life fulfilling, which quite frankly drives me around the friggin' bend, but it does something for them. So there's all these little nuances that you actually have to balance, that you have to work out. But more importantly, and this, this is what trips people up, you have to work out how you're going to strike that balance between your wealth creation and your cash flow. And they're two vastly different things. And you need to know how each one of those works. It's fine embarking on wealth creation whilst you starve. But by the same token, there's no point generating a lot of cash that you just burn. You just sit there going nowhere. Chris, let's talk about the type of person who blows all this up and has to go back and look for a job. What sort of things can go wrong if you're not ready to go into full-time trading? The undercapitalization is a problem. That catches people. But what catches people is... Let me preface this by, by saying there's an, old, there's an old Wall Street saying that says that scared money never wins. And in effect, what that is saying is that if you are dependent upon the next trade, if you're dependent upon the next move to put food on the table, you're going to generate a whole host of errors along the way. And those errors are going to be costly. And this is what trips people up. They're not prepared for the routine mundane nature of it. And it is a very boring job. It's, it's not like people perceive it to be. People perceive it to be immensely glamorous where you're going to spend all your time on the phone yelling at your broker. You don't do any of that. I run a short-term system as my cash flow generation system. It runs on four-hour charts. Since May of last year, it has made 57 trades, roughly one a month. And it's, sorry, one every week. And it's a short-term system, but it's doing what it's supposed to do. So people get caught by that. They get caught by this need to do the same thing day in, day out. Once they do that, they start to get bored. Once people start to get bored, particularly traders, they start to tinker. They start to muck around. Once you start to muck around, you are on the path to ruin. And many, many personality types are just not adapted to sitting at home, filling their own time. And so their subconscious conspires to stuff it up so that they have to go back to where they were most comfortable. And there's also just the sort who just leave their job and go, I'm going to be a full-time trader. Okay, what is your skill set for being a full-time trader? Well, I watched Wall Street 1, which was really good, and Wall Street 2, which was pretty shitty on the weekend, so I know how it's done and away we go. P.S., by the way, I watch Billions with Damien Lewis once a week, so how hard could it be? 
And they just have no methodology. Let's go back to that point that you made, that people go back to where they feel comfortable psychologically and they recreate circumstances. The issue, one of the things you need to do, many people have the goal of full-time trading as the end goal. And they get to that end point and go, right, I'm full-time trading. I don't know what I do. I don't know. And once they fulfilled that goal, there's nothing beyond that because the goal in and of itself had no real substance. Uh, full-time trading is neither here nor there. It is what, what are you going to do once you do that? What, what shape, tone and colour does your life look like as a full-time trader? Because in many respects, all you're doing is swapping one job for another and you're swapping a job that you knew how to do, you got paid to do regularly and surrounded by people for one that you might kind of know how to do you're not surrounded by people, and it's a little bit of a struggle. And, and the reason I asked that question was I was really trying to get the wealth thermostat from you. And this, this, is, yeah, this is the thing. Where do you go next? Okay, I've made enough money to trade full-time. What do I do? Am I happy with that? Or do I need to reset my own wealth thermostat to think, okay, this is I'm at this point now, but I want to expand to this point. For example, if you think earning $250,000 a year is a lot of money, then that's all you'll ever earn. You'll be maxed out doing that uh, because that's where you're set. That's where you're happy. That's where you want to be. If you think making $100 million a year is where you want to be, now you may or may not achieve that, but it is a goal that you are aiming for and working towards. And if by you know, good grace of hard work, a little bit of luck, and all your ducks lining up, you get there, and that's a fabulous thing. You then have to reset again and think, all right, what do I do now? Uh, what 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 shape does my life take? And the unfortunate thing for people is they don't they don't ask themselves these questions. How do you set your wealth thermostat, Chris? Uh, it's, a, it's a very good question. Uh, I always have the notion that more is more. And whilst that sounds avaristic, it's not really meant to because I view markets as a facilitator of the life I want to lead. That's their job. They have no other function at all. And they exist purely for me to do that. That's the metaphor by which I engage the markets. It is the market exists to assist me in what I want to do. Everybody has, I think, financial goals along the way that they want to hit. I actually think that I, you keep, in, in some way, shape or form, I keep score by how the trading account is doing. And I think all traders do subconsciously some way or another, D- despite us all saying that we are divorced and separated from it, and we are by and large, there is still an element of ego in it where you get a drawdown in the account and you go, what the hell has gone on there? All right, let's think about this for a moment. Let's start again. So there is always an element of ego in these things. But my reset comes from the knowledge that money buys experiences. There there, there comes a point when you've got things. And I've got things. I like things. I love things. I don't care what anyone says. Things make me happy. (laughs) But they buy me experiences too. They buy me first-class travel around the world. They buy me staying in extraordinary hotels in extraordinary cities. But they also fix practicalities in that 
money solves little problems. And it solves little problems really quickly. If I'm at an airport and my flight is cancelled and all flights are cancelled because of some technical glitch, weather, whatever, I simply rock up to the counter with my Amex card and go, I wish to go home. And they go, certainly, when? <laughs> I learned at a very, very young age that irrespective of what anyone says, money solves problems. And it just does. It makes life easier. So other than hell being other people in your mind, what do you like about full-time trading? It's simply the freedom. It, it is. Where, where I am is dependent upon me, no one else. It's not dependent upon whether I got a promotion, whether I played office politics very well, whether the company's been restructured in my favour, yada, 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 yada. It's none of those things. It is dependent simply upon my effort. No, I won't even say effort, because there's not a lot of effort in full-time trading. It is dependent upon me recognising opportunities and taking them and then being lucky enough for those opportunities to pay off. And that, that's my responsibility. That's the thing I have to do. Chris Tate, thanks for your time. Thanks, Caroline. And that's all we have for the show today, guys. Stay tuned next week because we have market wizard and entrepreneur Anthony Saliba, fresh from Chicago on his extraordinary trading journey. I'm Caroline Stephen. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to TalkingTrading.com.au with Caroline Stephen. Make sure you are subscribed to this website to receive the very latest market views, commentary and expert opinion. Tune in next week as we've got a bumper show planned. Bye for now. The views represented on Talking Trading are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regard to your own situation. Want to know the hottest sectors in the Aussie market? Now's your chance. Download my free Hot or Not special report from tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not. That website again, tradinggame.com.au slash hot or not.